Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners. I hope you're well. hope you are enjoying the new year as it comes and already goes in front of our very eyes by the scenes of it. Because as I'm uh, talking to you now, we are already getting towards the end of January, which is absolutely mental that one twelfth of the year is already behind us. But hopefully uh, you're going to enjoy today's podcast. We've got one of our partners from the Clear Company that have joined us today, and I'm going to introduce them in a second. Uh, the podcast today is actually about a blog that the guys from uh, the clear company wrote and it's called the myth of normality before i introduce maria baggio who's a senior consultant at the clear company i'm going to say hello to today's partner in crime which is chris horton chris can you just explain to the wonderful listeners who you are and what do you do at least Thank you, Mr. Howard. Always good to have a chat, although it's been a while for me. Um, So Chris Horton, I am a director at LACE and super interested in the whole DNI space and definitely the the myth of normality. Um, So looking forward to, to chatting with Maria and yourself today. Cool. And Maria. So Maria, hello. How are you doing? Hi, Chris. I'm good. And you? Not too bad, not too bad. So we want to talk about your blog that you wrote. But before we do that, just for those listeners who maybe didn't hear you the last time that you were on our podcast in 2021. And for those of you that didn't join in, then I did a podcast with the guys from the Clear Company on uh, data metrics and DNI. And that was a really, really interesting one. So you can access that through the Lace Partners website within the insight section. But can you just talk to our listeners and tell our listeners what you do at uh, the Clear Company, both yourself, but then also the business as well? Yes, definitely. So it's going to be interesting because I'm here with a slightly different hat compared to the data podcast. So I, I'm a senior consultant at the Clear Company, but my journey in DNI actually started as a volunteer uh, for an LGBT rights organization in Brazil. I was working with the transgender community in Brazil and we wanted to raise money for the organization. So we started our diversity and inclusion consultancy. So this is how I started actually in the field, but definitely broadened my horizons a lot since then and at the clear company i work with learning development facilitation and all sorts of audit which i think also explains a bit what we do at the clear company so we are a specialized diversity and inclusion consultancy we are based in the uk but fairly global really so yeah i'm i'm brazilian and a good part of our team is international and we have global clients. So we have a good vision of the DNI landscape worldwide, which is really interesting for gender and sexuality, especially as, as it is something that's very peculiar in different countries. Cool. So, yeah, I think that's that's my intro. Nice. Very good. So let's talk about the pod then. So first, sorry, the blog, but uh, you've called it the myth of normality. And I guess that's the best place to start. So what is the myth of normality? So the myth of of normality, when we talk about gender and sexuality, I think is a central, a central concept, really a central idea for us to 
for us to understand the topic in in, a, in in all its complexity. So, if you if you have a look at the blog, um, we start with the question: What is the most common question directed at pregnant people? And although it seems like a very far-fetched question, if we're talking about DNI in organizations, the whole point of the myth of meritocracy is that you know when someone's pregnant and the doctor examines the baby's anatomy um, by looking at the baby's genitals, it's assumed that the baby has a certain sex and therefore is assumed that that person will follow a certain gender path. So if the baby is born with a vagina, it's assumed that he's going to be a woman and is going to perform femininity. And on the other hand, if it's born with a penis, it's it's supposed that it's going to identify as a man and perform masculinity. And when we look at the world as it works, that's why we call it a myth, because the world is much more complex and diverse than this idea gives us. In the myth of normality, it's also assumed that these groups will only interact romantically in between each other so that heterosexuality is going to be the norm as well. So all these expectations uh, are what forms the myth of, of normality. So understanding this that this whole idea is not necessarily the truth is the basis for a complex debate on LGBT rights and LGBT realities in organizations. So just to give a bit of an example of you know how this how this works in reality. So if we think about sex, so we would normally think about male and female. But if we think about intersex people, intersex people are people whose bodily configuration, it might be genitals, it might be hormones or chromosomes, they don't really fit into male and female. And there are more than 40 types of intersex bodies around. So the simple idea that we, we can a person can either be male or female is not really true. So there's much more plurality than, than we suppose. And then if we think about the relationship between, between the body and the gender identity, we have transgender people, non-binary people that you know, really show us that it's not it's not a deterministic relationship. It might be the case, but it might not be the case as well. And why do we call it then normality? Because this is what we will think it's normal, isn't it? It's normal for a person to follow a certain path in terms of gender, sex and the body. But if we think that we have, you know, 8 billion people on earth, can we really talk about a normal status of, you know, a human body or a way to identify with the gender to perform your identity? So it's really hard to talk to talk about what's normal and what isn't normal. We can talk about what's common and what's a bit uncommon, but normal is a really strong word, isn't it? So this is what we why we call the myth of normality. And Maria, if, if you don't fall into that definition of normality so whether it's you know as a as a identifying as a, a female or a male if you if you fall into those other um 40 categories what kind of things have you seen what kind of things have you seen those people experience and look at um how safe they feel whether it's at work or, or in what they do um so Unfortunately, the this, this scenario is not very good at work and otherwise. And although it, it, it is, it can be better in certain, certain countries than others, I think is still a global picture. So when we talk about intersex people, what we see is that they are, usually when they are born, they are 
forced to go through surgery so they can fit into one of the two categories. And that has a lot of implications for their bodies. The, the subject in itself is such a taboo. And simply if you think about, you know, all the legal implications, because you have to have a sex, don't you? You have to have a legal sex. And these people, they don't have a legal sex. They have a sex that doesn't match the legal requirements. And then when we go to organizations, the systems don't cater for these people. It's just such a simple thing. The way the legislation works, it, it just doesn't work for these people. When we talk about transgender people, I've seen many struggles in, for example, interviews. So the person goes to an interview, the interviewer thinks the person is, you know, either man or woman. But then when it comes to presenting the document, the document say, says otherwise. And then everyone gets very confused. It's very awkward. Sometimes the person loses the job, you know, really, because um, the organization doesn't know how to deal with it. So I think when it gets to the organization, we see this type of things happening. So so what what... What are the things that you would that you either seen organisations start to do to deal with some of the, these factors, or what do you think are the, the key issues that people need, you know, organisations need to start looking at? So I've seen brilliant things around. Actually, sorry, I think I painted a bit of a pessimistic picture in my last answer, but we've, we we do see we do see pockets of resistant in organisations, and I've personally seen in my studies people saying, you know. The place I work is my oasis, you know, is where I get the biggest support. And I think it comes in different forms. So recognizing that the person has the right to self-identify is a major one. So, for example, respecting their pronouns, respecting their chosen name, respecting the fact that it might not match their documents, but it doesn't really matter, does it? The way we treat each other and email addresses and, you know, all this all, all this uh, situations in which the person has to use their name. So that's one thing. I think more subtle support. So when the person goes, to their manager to say, I, I'm, I want to start transitioning. You know, the manager might not even know what that's about, but, you know, there is some sort of support or there is a network or there is someone or there's the DNI uh, group and they can help us go through the situation. So I've seen many organizations learning from the, from from their transgender employees. You know, they might never have seen that before, but they stop and listen. And that's such a beautiful thing really that happens. So these two things are, are really major, I think, for, for the transgender population at work. I think spaces is, is what a big one as well. So if you think about bathrooms, changing rooms, policies, so there's a lot of things that organizations do really to, to support. So just to give an example, <clears throat> IBM in Brazil is is a major example. So the person that I quoted before, they used to work for for IBM and they found this this beautiful network of support inside the company. And I know that, for example, they collect LGBT data globally. You know, they 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 have this um, this place really globally where you know their employees can feel safe to come out and and look for support really. Yeah. So from that perspective, it's an interesting example with IBM in Brazil, obviously a, a huge, massive company. I guess the first question that comes into my mind is how important is it that these types of businesses have better, more joined up communication across, like if, if you, particularly if you're a global business, across multiple different mm -hmm. sort of locations and regions, and particularly, I guess, where there are so many cultural differences as well, because what the guys, what the, the, the culture is like in IBM Brazil might be very different from IBM, I don't know, France. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. And also, I think the fact that in some countries it is simply illegal, isn't it, to be LGBT mm. and to be from that community. But um, I think that's the point where a global voice that caters for particularities is so important. So even though it might be a cultural taboo or, or you know, something illegal in the country, it doesn't mean that inside the company it is an illegal practice. You know, it doesn't mean that in there it is a taboo. So there are ways to introduce the conversation. It has to be very sensitive. So we are the clear company. We have global clients that, you know, are going through the situation. So there are ways to introduce the topic. There are ways to talk about the myth of normality, which in in certain countries, it interlinks with other intersectionalities, it links with ethnicity, it links with religion. So there's all this, you know, um, complexities in discussing the topic, but it doesn't mean that it can't be discussed. And, and Maria, I've definitely seen from my own experience that different companies I've worked with where, you know, in certain countries it's either against the law, you know, to, to be LGBTQ or it may not be something that's typically discussed or, or recorded. I think the, the encouraging thing is a lot of bigger companies are proactively looking at ways to, you know, introduce the conversation to start discussing to get start changing the mindset and really um really you know starting to bring these topics up to make it to make it normal effectively to mm -hmm. to be able to um to discuss them i think that's uh definitely something that we can see through the larger companies that that we're working with for the, some of the smaller companies um i'm interested in um your viewpoint is do you see that that mind shift that swells starting to happen on a broader basis in different countries or is that is that a more gradual thing and there's more work that needs to be done that's such a good question i well from my perspective and my experience i think it's changing for the better um, the scenario is still daunting, but it is changing. So since I started working with this, for example, in Brazil, and I think even in the UK, there's a lot of conversations going on. And even if you see popular culture, you know, series, movies, it's something that's being more discussed as well. And I think it reflects on the organizational world. So you see better inclusion for these populations, more widespread policies, you know, more companies considering, for example, having a transgender policy and discussing the topic. What I used to see before was that this topic was, you know, the least priority of the whole list of DNI. And nowadays I see, you know, more companies discussing it and, and, and bringing it to the forefront. So, yeah, I think, I think definitely it's changing for the better. And looking through having a, a great, you know, shift, whether it's with the bigger companies or it definitely going up the priority, the, the agenda priority of, of um, medium and smaller companies. If I'm if I'm sitting as a, a you know, an HRD or, or a leader in, in one of those companies and I want to really progress what I'm doing in this space, what kind of resources would you, um, you know, would you actively encourage to, to look out for? Because I think there's a lot of willingness. Um, I think there's a, you know, people definitely mindset wise are, are, are wanting to go into areas like this to, to improve their understanding, to, you know, to do both what's right for the company, what's right for them, what's right for um, people in general, but really looking at what kind of, you know, what, what kind of resources can help them to, to be better people in this area? I think, I think there's, um, 
when we talk about the myth of normality, and I think gender and sexuality as a whole, I think it is a subject that really connects the professional and the personal. I think it's a topic that deals with our taboos, with you know, things we're uncomfortable discussing with things that we, I mean, we might have thought we would never discuss in a professional setting. So I think in my perspective, it needs to be, it needs to be hearts and minds. So there is, there is the, the things that can be done in the business. So for example, what we were discussing, you know, policies and processes and details and, and spaces and rooms and et cetera. But I think there's a lot of, of unconscious biases, gender biases. The myth of normality is basically a big gender bias, isn't it? So it's the things that we expect from others based on the cues that we get. So, you know, if we think that person is a woman, what are we expecting? If we think that person is a man, what what are we expecting? And, and if that, that proves not to be exactly how we figure out in our minds, then we get in that confusion. So there's a lot of getting more acquainted to it as well. And I think there's there's many that I think, in a way, I think is similar to, to race equality and cultural awareness. I don't think it's that different. And I think that's a discussion that we've been having for the past two years very strongly uh, in the DNI space. So I would say is getting in touch, you know, watching movies and series. I did recommend a few of my favorite on the blog. So really... Getting getting closer to the community, to, to the struggles. There are many TED Talks, you know, of people discussing their experiences in the workplace, articles in magazines, podcasts, you know. And I think it's really coming to, to spaces that were so difficult before. So one of the resources that I recommend on the blog is a podcast for, by The Guardian with Josh Cavallo, which was the, the top tier footballer that came out as openly gay. And that was such an interesting discussion with him. I loved that podcast because he he explains the struggle of, you know, keeping the secret and then coming out and how difficult it was in that environment that's very masculine and there's a lot of expectations. So I think I think there's a lot nowadays that we can use, but I would say it's definitely a type of cultural awareness. So getting more acquainted to, to the topic and, and to different people's realities, really. And I, I think from my own experience as a as a gay man and having worked in mm-hmm. um, companies for, for over 30 years now, I look at it and go, definitely it's ex- through exposure, through role modelling, through people having discussions that things have changed where, you know, 30 years ago I would have never mentioned my boyfriend or, or my now mm-hmm. husband, whereas I feel absolutely normal, sorry to use the word, that, 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 that I can, you know, that I can say, this is what I did on the weekend with my husband. Uh-huh. So so to me, to me, it's, I think it's absolutely, it's exposure, it's making, it's making topics and, and, you know, what is happening, something that needs to be discussed and shared amongst people. So I think to your point, great to get things up on the agenda to to change policies to have um discussions but as much as we can um you know talk through things change the mindset in companies and and really i i love your example of saying it's a connection of you know both the person and the company and and really bringing heart and mind together um because i think i think it is that but i also think you know with all things I think sometimes normality can drive people to be lesser. Um, so I think I think it's to me is how do we actually allow people be who they are? Definitely. Um, bring the value of that diversity and then be able to express themselves, you know, and be true to themselves in the in the work that they do. Definitely, because you know what I've seen many times, Chris, is that if you don't if you don't work 
with the myth of normality as you know this the series of unconscious bias and structural biases it really becomes political correctedness mm. and it's just like why can i call that person by that that pronoun why is that why is that a thing you know why is that a problem why can i use this word and i need to use this other word you know i don't understand i've seen that many times so if i think if you don't if you don't tackle the more cultural and subtle things, you might change all the policies and make them all inclusive, but you still don't get the culture changing and it's still not a, not a safe environment because you know from experience, you, you just said you're a gay person, I'm a bisexual person. So I, I, you know, we know how it is. We know when it's a safe environment, don't we? When we get to a place that we feel, you know, I can be open about my life. I can talk to people about what I've done on the weekend and about my family and about, you know, my gender identity i know that i can be open here and it's a very subtle thing but per people from the community we know and i think the subtlety is very much in the culture there is a lot on formal processes and practices that can be changed in many easy you know quick wins but you need to tackle the cultural more subtle aspects of of normality you know and i think what you said as well of you know uh, are we moving to a new normal of gender and sexuality are we moving to a no normal you know learning from people learning from things as they change i think that's that's a great discussion as well for organizations to have and i think the cultural awareness kind of mentality when dealing with this topic also helps us when things change because gender sexuality is so mutable it's so ever-changing um if we always get stuck to a new normal we always have to change the normal again isn't it <laughs> there's not many much of a dynamic i think yeah yeah certainly <laughs> so i want to ask and i've just got one more question and then if chris has got any more questions i'll let him okay. uh, have a free swim at the end but where are it was because you talked about you know this new normal i'm sick of that phrase but i know that <laughs> it's, it is it is where it is but where are we in five years time in this area do you think if we if we do a podcast in five years time what's changed oh that's such a good question i mean what i what i feel from what i've been saying i think these type of struggles that for example transgender people f face when they do job interviews and they find unprepared interviewers who don't really know how to deal with them i think this is something that might be way reduced in five years i think something that we've, we were already discussing as as societies you know and it's changing i think what chris mentioned about you know homosexuality in a way is so much more accepted now than it was even five years ago and and you know non-normative families as well um so i think this is something that's changing so yeah i think there's two two aspects or two aspects that are being really discussed i think with even with the data collection initiatives in a global level i feel them companies might be in a place to be more of a, I, I, I saw a really interesting term, I think it was, it was a stonewall, like embassies, organizations working as embassies for LGBT people worldwide. So, you know, even though in your, in your country might be illegal in your company, you know you are safe in a way or to a certain extent. You might not be able to, you know, do do you know everything you could do or access all the rights you could access in another country oh. but at least in there you know you and, have a safe space and and i would i would agree maria that i've seen that in some of the multinational pharmaceutical companies for example who actually you know are operating in um, parts of africa or russia say for example where mm -hmm. where certain things it's either you know against the law or it's not 
it may not be against the law, but it's not well received, um, where those companies are, you know, providing a safe space, providing, um, you know, access and, and information and, and support. So I think it is a, it's a, it's an interesting development and, and definitely, you know, things are, uh, companies that have the power to influence, you know, broader na- nation definitely. and cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree so, with you. Yeah. Do you know what's, what's really interesting? I really like that idea of companies being embassies, like safe havens and stuff. And from a cultural perspective and an engagement perspective, that can have such profound impact for those workers that are living in that environment, I think. But Maria, as always, it's been really fascinating to get your views in, in this uh, area. Um, if you'd like to read the blog, we'll put a link in the show notes on the podcast as we release it. So you can just uh, access it there or you can connect with Maria on uh, LinkedIn. It's uh, Maria Carolina Baggio uh, from The Clear Company. Um, Thank you very much, Maria, for joining us. Thank you so much, Chris. And Mr. Horton, always a pleasure. Mr. Howard, thank you. The pleasure was mine. Lovely. Um, You can get this podcast through all of the usual channels, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. Go onto Lace Partners website, www.lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast, and you'll find us. Uh, Until next time, uh, we will see you on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Bye-bye.